Welcome to Casual Talk Radio Podcast found at casualtalkradio.net. My name is Leister, I'm your host. Thank you for dialing in today, whether you're an existing subscriber or a new listener. We welcome everybody. Got a couple things to get out of the way first, and then we're going to get right into our topic for today. Casualtalkradio.net. That's our website. Check it out for all of our different podcast episodes, past and present. We're constantly making updates. We're refining the website experience. If you have any feedback, we'd appreciate hearing it. You can hit the contact link at the top, fill out the form, come straight to us. You can also leave us a voice message if you want to leave your thoughts on audio, and it may be played on the air. Who knows? Let's go ahead and get into our topic for today. I don't really discuss finances or financial stuff here on Casual Talk Radio. And if you're new, by the way, welcome. My name is Lyster, I'm your host. I am I'm apt to avoid those kinds of conversations, at least on Casual Talk Radio. We do talk about it on crypto, but on Casual Talk, I try to avoid it because I feel like it's one of those topics that's sensitive to certain people. Like some people may not have a position. Uh, they're not they're not in a position to have a position. They they can't financially be where they want to be. Some people are not able to put up savings. Um, it's hard to get generational wealth. And so I try to avoid the topic as much as possible. But I felt it was kind of a self-imposed obligation to at least speak about what's going on with Silicon Valley Bank because you may be following news. You may be curious about it, chatter about it. And one thing I wouldn't want you to do is be inundated with a bunch of news about a topic that Yes, it's a serious thing. Yes, it's a big thing. But I wouldn't want the news to skew it one way or the other. And I see a lot of that happening. So I figured I would share my thoughts. And just to put in some perspective for you, just so that you know kind of where I stand. I was an auditor in a past life in uh, financial services, a loan company. And I'm very much aware of what's going on with this business at enough of a level to explain it. And I was there, of course, in the 2008 crash, which is very similar. And I'll get to that in a second. But more importantly, this has ramifications on the crypto side. And so a lot of people I don't think realize the severity of this crash at a high level. I want to just summarize at a high level, Silicon Valley. We heard we hear about Silicon Valley all the time. It's in California. And Silicon Valley is a generic term that describes all of these tech startups. You know, you hear about this upstart tech startup company out here in Silicon Valley and all these tech people that are coming out with fancy degrees, tech degrees, and they get swept up by these companies who throw hundreds of thousands of dollars of salary at them. And then, of course, high-priced homes. That's Silicon Valley in a nutshell. It's, it's a broad term. Silicon Valley, for the most part, has, I would argue, in my opinion, centralized asset management. What do I mean by centralized asset management? Centralized asset management is the idea that by and large, they all seem to share common banking. Banking in the term of their investments and the place they go for those, banking in the terms of banks themselves. And we saw the rise of certain banks during these tech growth periods and the decline of other banks that were more in the older times. Certain people, largely the people that are about the age listening to this show, They'll remember when we used to have something like savings and trust, right, type banks. And they were kind of local, regional places. And those largely went the way of the dodo. And we had some banks like Washington Mutual, right, Wachovia. And they were nationwide, but they also 
targeted specific sectors. You know, Washington Mutual was really big in the home loan sector. Same as Wachovia. Well, on the tech side, so with tech, it's a risky business. The idea that you're considering a new technology, you're going to bring something to market that's new and never seen before is risky. And it's hard to find financing when you want to get something off the ground, but you kind of need it because you need to fund buildings, staff, the hardware, the equipment. And there was a period in time when this was, in a sense, gambling, where we believed that this may take off and become a thing. And we had some that truly did start as nothing and became a thing. Apple computers is a great example of this. Plaid is another great example of this. So on and so forth. We saw the rise of increased technology being put in our cars, largely to their detriment in some cases, but technology increased coming in cars and technology semiconductors and all of the different things. We saw offshoring of certain technologies, onshoring of the knowledge and the design, right? Thought behind technologies. Silicon Valley Bank is one of those banks who was a little bit more flexible with respect to risk, but primarily around tech sector, not everybody. There are a number of small businesses that tried to get loans from Silicon Valley Bank and were told to kick rocks from a risk perspective. The irony, of course, is that those small businesses continued to thrive while Silicon Valley Bank was shut down. So here's the big story. Silicon Valley Bank was holding just enough assets to run business. They did not have a one-to-one of the assets in question, and the vast majority of their assets exceed the FDIC insurance threshold of $250,000 that is protected. That money to protect just that two fifty dollars comes from the fees that the government charges, but it's only two hundred fifty dollars So when you have these larger depositories that are in place, there's a risk that they lose the money. Now, President Biden came out and said that he's going to do whatever he can to make sure everybody is made t- is taken care of except for the investors. That didn't make very many people happy. Here's the story. If you remember 2008, and hopefully you do, 2008 was a rough time for our economy because we had a lot of banks who were basically extending their level of risk. They were going and doing things that was increasing risk. They were a lot less rigid about the loans that they were providing, particularly around the home loan market. They were extending home equity loans, as I refer to it, using your home as an ATM machine, and that was running crazy, and the prices of homes were skyrocketing. I would argue they continued so, but certain of these banks were a little bit less rigid about their protections and their protocols. With Silicon Valley Bank, they were a little less rigid with their protocols around who they would extend this loan to, but also when they took depository money, and if you didn't know the story of banks, Banks don't just hold billions and billions and billions of dollars on hand and do nothing with it. Generally speaking, you are lending your deposited money to them for a period of time. In return, they pay you interest, usually. Then they take that money and they go and they invest in other things in order to generate profit. If you didn't know, banks are largely profit businesses. They have to make profit somehow. In the old days, you were charged to open a checking account. You know now, it's all, quote, free checking. In the old days, you were charged fees up the yin-yang just to be able to manage your account. Today, by and large, the fees have kind of dwindled to a bare minimum. You still have the fee for six transactions on a savings account, but very few people still do savings accounts compared to checking accounts because checking accounts became, quote, free. So they'll make profit off of things like the orders of checks and that sort of thing, 
But generally speaking, you don't see any other avenue of profit for banks other than loans, which is a whole different discussion. And then this other outlet over here where they go and invest in all these other things to try to generate their own side profits. That's what then drives their turnover. So when they turn customers, when I say turnover, it is we now will offer additional products and services to our existing customer base. The thing is, this is what got Wells Fargo in trouble because they were actually opening accounts on behalf of the customer without the customer's permission. In Silicon Valley Bank, none of this was the case. Instead, what you had was they were just basically doing other things with people's money, which is normal. Pretty much every bank does it to a T. When you get into the loans now, I'm circling back to the challenge with loans is the loan is a risk for the bank. It's a risk for the bank because ultimately they need to make sure that whoever they extend the loan to makes good. The fault of the system, the entire system, is that they have all been conditioned to believe that a credit check and references are all you need to assess risk. That the credit report is your best indicator of risk when the truth is the credit report is not a true fair indicator of risk. The only true indicator of risk is the amount of money you can pay and your desire to pay it, which the credit report may or may not show you. Here's an example. As I told the story to those listening to me for about a couple months now, I recently just bought two cars. I shouldn't have bought two cars, but I had to buy two cars. I still own both cars. I paid cash for them. I'm pretty sure the total amount that I have spent now on the two cars together, and don't cringe, but I just want you to understand, I want to put this in perspective for you, is somewhere in the neighborhood of about $35,000. Why is it so dang high? Because for the first car, I had a repair that was a large repair. I also had to, on the second car, its purchase price is what it is. There's registration fees, which applied to the second car. There are certain accessory fees and things I had to do for the second car. There's fuel that I've had to do to maintain both cars, et cetera. So I'm going to save roughly about $35,000. I paid cash for these cars and I still have a significant amount of money in the bank. Now, from a capacity to pay perspective, I probably look better than most of the regular Americans out there. However, if they were to screen my credit, they would probably try to throw, if they were to approve it, they'd probably try to throw like a 27% uh, you know, interest rate against me because they don't see what they want to see, which is an 800 credit score. The truth is very few people in America for American credit screening have anywhere near that level of credit score because the fault of the system is that after the 2008 crisis, they started getting more rigid with credit screening. After then, later with pandemic and everything else, they started to get more rigid above and beyond this to where at this point, unless you're banking at least, at least 690 or above in the credit score, you're not going to get the best rates. Wouldn't be that big of a deal, except that people during the pandemic will know many of your credit account companies were all too happy to screw up your credit at a time when people were getting cut from their jobs because of being forced to stick something in your arm, my body, my choice, and were refusing to. And these other naysayers would say, well, you had a choice. You don't really have a choice. A choice presented where you don't have a choice is not a choice. So people's credit was harmed. The government never stepped in and said, you will remove any negative marks that originated during the pandemic, period. You will not report those negative. You'll just go ahead and wave those. Instead, 
they threw piddly $1,400, $1,600, quote, stimmies at people dangling the carrot at the low class to get them to shut up about the fact that they were locked down. Instead of taking that money and simply making these debts go away, which would have helped more Americans because it would have lightened up the load during a time when certain people couldn't work at all. I digress. So now we fast forward and we're in this world where everything is a lot more rigid. Silicon Valley Bank took the opposite approach for these tech companies. They said, we're going to be a little bit more flexible with you guys. We're going to look at cryptocurrency to help shore up some assets. We're going to look and partner with, I'm not even going to go into details on crypto side, but this company that's a big partner on the crypto side and use it to shore up assets, and then we're going to diversify. They do all this. Turns out, they people are finally seeing, you know what? They don't really have many assets on hand. And in the event that there's not enough money and they're insolvent, we got a problem. Then you got Jim Cramer on CNBC telling people to buy into the stock because it's a good buy weeks before this fiasco. So that hurt even more people because unfortunately, people listen to him because he has a platform despite almost never getting it right. Now the government's all up in arms saying, how did this fail? And they blame former president Donald Trump because in the prior administration, they rolled back some of the regulatory oversight that was happening on banks. The truth is some of the regulatory oversight that was rolled back was actually a hindrance to getting the loans. I talked about the whole 690 or above. What happens is the banks, when they have all this regulatory scrutiny, are less likely to extend credit to people. It sounds good to say, if you don't have, quote, good credit, you shouldn't get that anyway. But going back to my example, I just dropped $35,000 on two cars. There should never be a problem extending a loan for $20,000 to somebody like myself. It shouldn't even matter about the credit as long as I can prove I got $20,000 in the bank. Where's your risk? There's no risk. So some of the regulations that were rolled back were designed to be a little bit more flexible, not extremely so but a little bit more flexible in how we extend money to people because they were trying to help rebuild after what was happening during this pandemic situation. Biden then places the blame on former President Donald Trump and swears that they're going to put back a lot of these regulatory restrictions. I'm going to close today's episode and make a wild-eyed prediction and tell you if the Biden administration, I don't think he'll be successful now that he's lost one of the two, but Let's say that he is successful. Let's say they do lock stuff down. Let's say they do put some restrictions. I argue 2024, he's toast. He's completely out of office because you're going to start seeing small businesses shut down. You're going to start seeing a lot of these tech folks get laid off, just like you were seeing with Amazon and Microsoft and Google. You're going to see it steamroll fast. And there's only so much you can do to blame the prior administration when you've actually escalated the damage due to what you just did, assuming he pulls it off. What I'd rather see, just to share my opinion, is I'd rather see they understand this was simply what it is. The bank themselves made the active choice not to put their own risk management for their own reasons. The bank themselves got greedy. The bank themselves enticed the wrong crowd. This had nothing to do with regulatory oversight because while there are other banks that failed as part of this, Silicon Valley Bank was large enough to have known better. You're dealing with greedy people. And when you have greedy people, and here's the irony, one of them, chief something officer, actually was a CFO at Lehman Brothers, who was another failed large bank. This is what I'm talking about. If these people were so greedy as to say, 
You came from Lehman Brothers. You were part to blame for digging them into the grave. Yeah, we're just going to go ahead and hire you, Duke, Duke, Duke. That tells you it had nothing to do with policy and everything to do with greed of the people inside this bank. And unfortunately, and yes, I'll digress when I say it, unfortunately, the propensity of certain high-powered leaders to only look at a college degree to tell them that somebody's competent and not pass track record. They don't care about what they did or didn't do. All they care about is that piece of paper telling them what they should be able to do. That's greed, bottom line. And it has nothing, and unfortunately, it is nothing to do with regulatory scrutiny or oversight. The regs have not changed at a basic level regarding banking. Dodd-Frank Act never changed at the important stuff. What we're talking about here are greedy people, and we should treat them as such, as in, we're not going to coddle them because they're greedy people. We don't need to change or place blame. What we should be doing instead is highly scrutinizing the hires. Who are they breeding into leading these companies? And the moment we see somebody, some bank hires this person who was responsible for a failed bank over here, that's when I want the government to get involved and say, no, we're not going to allow you to hire that person. That person failed over here. You need to justify why that person makes sense here. And if you continue to hire them and your bank fails, you are on the hook for billions of dollars to make it right. I guarantee you they're not going to hire that person. The government doesn't want to intervene when you have these sketchy hires. The sketchy hires are the problem, ladies and gentlemen. It has nothing to do with the regs. The regs are the regs. They've not changed at a macro level. What we're dealing with are greedy people, bottom line. And for anybody who was in or affected by, because it does have broad reaching impacts, affected by this Silicon Valley Bank or any of the other ones, I apologize. And I don't, I don't say all this in order to place blame on you. It's not about you. My issue is the fact that we're attacking the wrong problem. The problem is not regulation. The problem is greed. And the fact that nobody is really scrutinizing who's leading these banks at the end of the day. The leaders are failing people. It's not the bank itself. The bank is just a facility. We need to scrutinize the leadership, and I would love to see the government get involved in that conversation. How about we stop all the golden parachutes and the people coming in, taking millions of dollars of salary when they just came from a bank that failed? Why is that allowed, and why is that okay, and why is that person not in jail? That's the question we should be asking ourselves if we were truly an ethical country. That's all we've got here today on Casual Talk Radio, Gentleman's World. Hopefully, it's been informational, educational, and helpful for you. We upload every Monday and Wednesday, so we'll be back for our next episode. Whether you're a subscriber or not, we appreciate you for dialing in today. We know you've got choices. We will be turning back on our guest cadence. We are doing the screening process. That's coming very soon. Keep up to date with what we're doing at casualtalkradio.net. You can also subscribe at the bottom to get alerts whenever there's a new episode posted, or you can add it to your platform of choice. For now, take care, and I will see you on our next upload.